Welcome to the Chase Merrill Podcast. I am your host, Chase Merrill, and we are all about helping people get freed up from what's holding them back so they can build up who they were made to be. In today's conversation, I have my pastor, Pastor Vaughn Kobler, with me. Pastor Vaughn is one of the most genuine people I've ever met, and she is so good at making you feel seen. When she looks at you, it's like, it doesn't, she doesn't look, look into your eyes. Like, she looks into your soul, and it's like one of those things you recognize, like, what do you see? You see something I don't even see. She loves Jesus with such a fierce veracity and authenticity that it's like, it's something like I've never seen before. It's so challenged and inspired me to love Jesus with all that I am. And her wisdom, her preaching, her anointing, her gifting, who she is as a wife, who she is as a mother, who she has become as a friend, mentor, pastor, leader. This is an incredible woman that I cannot wait to share our conversation today. You are going to be so encouraged. If you want to help us continue to make an impact with this podcast week in and week out, consider joining our new Patreon community. For as little as a cup of coffee a month, you can be a part of helping us get the message and mission of the podcast out to more people more effectively. This is a way that we can come together as a community and you'll get access to behind the scenes stuff, additional resources and content and so much more for just as little as $5 a month. You can head over to chasemerrill.com and click Patreon to jump in and get started. Now let's jump into today's conversation. Well, here we go. I am here with Pastor Fawn Kobler, and she gets to uh, be live and in person. I get to have her live and in person and is a part of the podcast today. Welcome, Pastor Fawn. Thank you. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, just part of the project. Um, we are we're marching through 52 weeks through this year and uh, are in the 30s now. And so, uh, but the whole project being uh, 52 people who have made an impact on my life. And uh, you are one of those 52 people um, in a large way and in not just in a large way, but in a large and recent way, like in the last, this last, gosh, September will be six years that Holly and oh I have been up goodness. here. Um, and, uh, and so it's, it's, you know, it's, I've had a lot of conversations throughout this project with people that have been a part of my life from early childhood all the way till now. But, um, you know, just this last and recent season, you and, and your husband, John, Pastor John, have been uh have been monumental in the the life of my wife and I's life so welcome to the podcast so great to have you here with me today how are you doing how's how's pastor fawn like today as you're sitting right now I'm doing well yeah yeah all things considered yeah it's you know it's a normal day wake up early yeah drink my coffee there you go love the love the yeti mug and it's bringing (laughs) some good like pop color to the podcast which is sweet when you for people that don't know who you are yeah just would you give him a snapshot for yeah the listener that has zero context um who you are who you're connected to and in this season kind of like where you are and what you're doing that is a loaded question it is. who who am i it's not the it's not the the you know the the <laughs> philosophical purpose necessarily question of who you are but, okay but just go so for um i'm a wife and a mom so John and I have been married. It's this next week. It'll be 26 years. Wow. We're celebrating 26 years of marriage. 26 so, years. Um, yeah, we met in high school, high school sweethearts. And we have four awesome kids. The oldest one is married. We have a grandbaby. Yeah, and it so for cute. real is the best thing in life. Yeah, We have a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old and a 15-year-old. So we're in that that crazy season of life where your kids are becoming 
adults yeah. and learning, relearning how to parent all over again, how to be a parent of people who are truly their own person, having yeah. their own life. And John and I have the immense joy of getting to pastor a church together. Yeah. And we didn't always do it the way that we're doing it now, but now we co-pastor together and we, I love it. I mean, it, it's, it's an amazing thing to do ministry with your best friend, with your partner in life, with the love of your life, uh, with the person who knows you more than anybody else. And so, yeah, we've been doing that for, I'm trying to think, it's been almost 10 years now. Almost 10 years. Yeah. Bad. That's, yeah. Cr- that, that, tw- I'm thinking about 26 years. Yeah. That's a long time. Like that's yes, a, that's is. like that's like a not not as common, especially nowadays. Yeah. It feels like just generationally to see that that cross of twenty five years is yeah. a huge deal. Yeah, it's interesting how many people you know you meet people and they ask or it comes up and you say, "Yeah, we've been married twenty five years, almost twenty six and how many people will say, "What?" Yeah, because it isn't necessarily right. normal. No. Which is sad. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's also, you know, I think about the amount of intentionality that you and Pastor John have, you know, had in your relationship and marriage over those 26 years. But, you know, as a, as somebody that gets to be a part of, you know, your guys team and has been over the last six years on staff with, with you at Living Water and then just growing in friendship and, and different things together with you guys. It's what's been so cool for me to watch, um, amongst other things is, you don't you guys don't just have platform chemistry uh, mm. or platform like love if you will like you know, i don't know i think that there's there, there probably is a time and place for that world of helping a congregation or people to see a healthy model on the platform of a husband and a wife engaging in a way that's like we actually like each other which right. you guys do really well but what's been so cool to see is how like that's the same off the platform like you guys don't put it on for like Sunday morning and then yeah. get off the platform and like barely look at each other or like, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's cool. There've been moments where I've just caught like, you know, we were hanging out at a staff meeting or, you know, whatever. And just, there's just these moments where you and Pastor John have connections, eye contact, you know, a hug, a kiss, a handhold that you're just like, oh, they like, no, they really love each other. Like that's for real. And yeah. they would do that if nobody was around to watch them be a model of a healthy relationship, yeah. you know? And so I think that's special too, because that, that almost is like, takes the 26 years to another level mm. because there's people that have like grinded it out for 26 years or just stuck to it. And, but you know, well, there's been some of that. <laughs> sure. No, right. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. And a lot of hard work yeah, and a lot of working uh, yes, through all yes, the issues we both bring to the table, <laughs> you totally, know? Totally. But but here's what I'll say to that is um I without my husband um being who he is and being an advocate to really focus on being in love and staying in love and keeping our friendship alive and growing I very easily especially in the season of life with little kids and that season when kids require a lot I I very easily could have been in the mindset of 
we need to focus on our kids because they're a priority. Sure. They need the parents to be very present. You can't just be absent all the time going, you know, being married and forgetting right. about your kids. But I very easily could have sort of, well, that will, we'll focus on us later. We need to focus on the kids. Um, and John was always a huge advocate for we need, when, when the kids move out, you're just going to have me. <laughs> right. So, so we've, we've got to find ways and over the, you know, it changes in different seasons. You have more finance or you have more time or more freedom to do different things. But, but even when our kids were little, trying to find ways where we still had fun together yeah, and, you know, had an opportunity to flirt and be romantic and just be married was really important. And, and I don't know if, I, if it would have been up to me, I was always the one saying, I don't know, I don't know, we should stay home, the kids need us. And, and John would remind me, you know, we need to do this, this is a priority. Now in this season of my life, I see how wise that was. Yeah. Even though often it was a rub in my heart feeling like I really, it should be all about the kids. Yeah. And I'm really thankful yeah. now yeah. for that. If there's somebody listening that's like in that season mm-hmm. where either A, like to your to your kind of experience, the, the young kids, a lot of need, yeah. demanding need all at the time. And there is that, that maternal and, you know, paternal like instinct to go like this. Yeah. This is why I'm here. I've got to I got to do all of this to take care of these kids and give them the best life they can. Yeah. Um, so they're feeling that weight and pressure and stress. And then the, the, you know, the work pressure that could be there yeah. as well for either a working mom or a working dad. Um, like how, if there's somebody listening, they're like, I, yes, I'm there. <laughs> but like, it feels so far from where we presently are in our marriage. How do I even start that conversation or like take steps towards being like, Hey, the, I just listened to this podcast and this lady <laughs> named Von Culver's like, I want to do that or start that. How, what would you give somebody that just like, how do you even get into that space with you're not even close to it right now and you're thinking, yeah. but I want it. Um, I say start with the small things I and do what works for you. Because I remember somebody, multiple people saying, you need a once a week date night. Sure. And one I remember we didn't have the money for a babysitter every week and we didn't enjoy, uh, we would go out and, you know, try to do a dinner and a movie. We were tired. We wanted (laughs) to be home. We didn't really like being out at that season. And so there was all this guilt, Sure, you know? Yeah. And finally we just figured, we finally figured out we don't have to do that. Yeah. And so it became smaller things. It became, you know, I mean, everything from flirting and and intentionally thinking, did I flirt this week or not? And finding ways to do that, even if the kids are running around. Who's in, I got to ask just because all the people are going to Who's the more natural flirter between you and Pastor John? Definitely John. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely John. <laughs> Absolutely, John. And and when you say natural flirter, he will he naturally will do it more often. Yeah. But it's always I, <laughs> watch. He's gonna watch this, and yeah. he comes back to uh, 
like 12 year old you know john flirting with a cute girl and yeah yeah which i love and it makes me laugh and so yeah you know so starting with the little stuff and it doesn't have to be huge you do what works for you if you let if kids go to bed early and you can take half an hour to turn on a song and dance in the living room by yourself not even have it do one song yeah and remember what it's like to have the lights low and to dance yeah just the two of you you know um we we started just doing the little things because going on a date was just too much yeah yeah (laughs) that's really good i think about I think about people in that season, you know, as, as my wife and I have been in that season to, you know, to a large degree as well. And that sense of, uh, I think, I think it's so good for people to hear, like, you you just don't have to do what everybody else is trying to do, you know, or doing what works for you. It's just such, such, yeah, such a good, but I will say one of the, one of the ones, the flirting, I'd be fine with that. It was when John would push, I really would like to get away with you for a night. And for me, that was seemed so, then I have to find somebody who I feel comfortable being with the kids and it's so overwhelming and I don't want to be away from them. And, yeah. But but we really made, and it, at the beginning when they were little, it'd be one night because that's all we could do. Sure. But finding a way to do that uh, once a year, twice a year where we could go away and just just be was really important and it seemed very overwhelming to me but now i look back and i'm really thankful yeah i pushed my boundary there a little bit yeah so good one of the the reasons you know you're here on the podcast for this project and the impact is uh the significance of how you've shown me over the last six years uh somebody who has absolutely like irrefutably a genuine and authentic love for Jesus like it it's not a you're not trying to show that you're not putting something on for somebody like there's there is a deep it's just impossible not to to see it and um and and then in that consistent it's been consistent like there's been highs and lows of the last six years you know easy to say easy to say (laughs) and you know, I think part of the privilege I feel like Holly and I have is being able to watch from the outside, but also kind of up close, you and, and Pastor John, as you've navigated these last few years, and how both the highs and lows have deepened your love for Jesus. And mm-hmm. like it comes out of you when it seems like there's your, your back's against the wall, and then it comes out of you when you're celebrating, you know, great highs of the day or the season. And um, and it's just, it's different like mm. it, it it's hard to articulate to the people listening or watching you know unless they do know you and and have been around you while well, they're going to be able to to attest to that but like there are people that turn their their christianity on mm. and and then there are people that like genuinely love jesus and you can tell that that's the most important thing in the world to them and and it's not that there's a lot of other great important things to them but that is the most and that's the that's the truest thing about you that i uh, that I can say and see and that has so radically impacted me because I have been in and around Christians ministry for most of my life and I can't say that about most of them and and so that concept 
of that genuine and deep love for Jesus being in you and, and, and coming through you is something that like, I love to just go, well, one, that's been the biggest thing that's impacted me. But two, like when you think about that um, and you hear that, what, what would you say like being in ministry for all of these years and having to lead in ministry, like how, how is that happening? How, how do you, how is that true for you that you, you, your love for Jesus has been genuine and is continuing to grow deeper, even when the stuff that has come up in front of you or, you know, unknown or caught you off guard or COVID or whatever else and is there could have very easily like stolen some of that. Mm. And I did for a lot of people. Mm. Um, I just felt like you dug in even deeper. Like, can you talk to me about that? And for those listening, mm. going like, how, how do you think that that is true? How did that happen? Well, first, um, I feel really emotional uh, when you talk about that because I think if there'd be one thing I would want someone to say about me when my life is over, it would be that that I really loved Jesus. Yeah. Not that I I did things for him but that that people actually saw or felt or believed that I really loved the Lord so um that's just really emotional for me and um Mm. I think you know when I think about that I think the first thing I would say is there's there's so much of that that has nothing to do with me because I was born into a home where, you know, the, my parents and the church community, the faith community that we were a part of as I grew up, what I caught as, kind, as my foundation was that not just God is real and God saves me, but God is present and and loves you and wants to engage with you right here right now all the time. Yeah. So, you know, from my earliest memories, I I remember just having a belief and a sense that God is present, expecting, I mean, at three, four years old, expecting God is here. God is with me. He wants to talk to me and, and experiencing that and, you know, experiencing as a little kid, not being able to say what God said to me, but I knew it was all about how much he loved me. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and that, that's, that is because my parents created that environment. That's because we were in a church and a faith community that taught that to me and created opportunities for that. My youth pastor, Tim Wimberly, huge influence on my um, love because of his love it was something i caught his passion his love for jesus fueled my own love for jesus and um and so 
you know, I just, it's not something I can say, yeah, I, I did all these wonderful things to love the Lord. Sure. I, pe- there were people who created space and showed me how to love Jesus. And, and, uh, but I would, I would say, you know, as you, as I move, have moved into professional Christian Christianity, right. you know, where, where so much of what you do right. is about loving Jesus, that it, it can start to get a little gray, yeah. a little, where does one thing, where does what you do bleed over into your genuine love for right. the Lord. And, you know, that's where it can get a little bit tricky. Well, I think the pressure, the pressure, the weight, because uh, uh, I was going to say that there's that shift, right? Where, where you're not at that season as you're experiencing other people's love right. for Jesus responsible right, for other people's like love for Jesus to grow or not. In, yeah. in, like at the scale you are totally. when you're leading or totally. when you're leading in a way that's in, in a, yeah. a ministry or church. And there is that shift yeah. Uh, like, and so I, I was going to kind of be the, what, what, you know, you may have still great people around you who really love Jesus, but that's that shift of transition from that to, to being right. the one responsible for that. Yeah. Is it shifts some things. So yeah. yeah. Keep, keep, keep going. But I, I want to acknowledge well, that. I, here's what I would say is I've taken responsibility to, for my own, for the fire of my love for Jesus. And what I mean by that is. Um, I know my propensity to to drift from it being that pure, I love the Lord, and it's about my relationship with Him. And, and so I'm very intentional to do things to stir up my love. So things like, and, and the scriptures that I memorize from, from the the word are you know it's psalm 63 you know it, that's all about you know longing and thirsting for god um psalm 27 there's one thing i ask one yeah. thing i seek um th- those are the those are the scriptures that i memorize and i say and i speak and i pray over and over and over and over again um i find the songs that are all about reminding me of what Jesus did, how much God loves me, how much I love him. And those are the ones I listen to over and over and over and over again. Um, I, I have journaled my whole life and I've made, I've made a habit of every, every time I sit down with my coffee and my scripture and my journal, I journal words of love to the Lord. I love you. This is why I love you. This is what I'm thankful for. Um, you know, I, I journal it. My journal is always prayer. It's always my heart to the Lord or my questions or my, but I always journal words of love. Um, because, because it, it, it's like throwing uh, kindling on a fire, Yeah, you know? Totally. And, um, and it's interesting I know, I, I don't necessarily always catch it immediately, but I can feel in myself when that begins to die. Um, and the way I feel it is when I'm doing things for the Lord, <laughs> I begin to feel like I'm playing a part. <laughs> um, 
it, it it's it's almost like my heart is separate from it, it's like an out of body experience i don't yeah. know how to describe it but i feel like i'm acting um i'm i'm acting in love with jesus i'm yeah. acting kind i'm acting like a shepherd i'm acting uh like I care about the lost. I, that's the only way I know how to describe it. I can feel this sense of I'm doing all the things, but something in my heart is not connected. Yeah. And I can feel that. Yeah. I know what that feels like. And and so when I when I recognize that that's happening, um I as quickly as I can repent and readjust like assess so what what is happening have i stopped making time did i get busy did i stop you know am i not listening to the songs that stir up my love am i you know and then i just course correct and try to get myself back to that place where i'm fueling that fire yeah uh because i hate that feeling of i mean i've i've stood in a sunday service you know in worship with my hands up singing loud and all of a sudden i i have the realization my heart is not connected to what my body is doing right now yeah and that's that's different than i've had seasons where i have been in love with jesus and grieving right. um uh walking through the valley of the shadow of death i mean you know so so it's not a sense of i feel wonderful and right. that that's the clue that i'm in love with jesus it's this this disconnection of my heart with the activity of my life yeah and you know and i mean like i said i i've been in a worship service and felt it and thought <gasps> Yeah, I don't want to be, you know, what you see in scripture where I honor the Lord with my lips and not with my heart. Yeah. And, and gosh, it's so easy to get there. Yeah. Especially when you're around the environments where it's expected because of your role. Or and you've been doing it for so long. Right. Second nature. <laughs> yeah. 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 When, when you think about, so one of the things like I think I've seen in part of your personality and your, your, your DNA is that like that. And, and probably it's probably because I've heard some of this come out of you from about like who you are, but that like, there's a rule follower, like I want to do it right. Mm -hmm. Like kind of side of that when it comes to life probably, but the, I'm just in the lane of like mm -hmm. the relationship with the Lord. Talk to me about how you've experienced that, that, uh, the difference between you giving your affection and love to the Lord yeah, and then actually receiving his love for you in regards to like that. Cause I, cause I, I, I have a few people in my mind and heart when I think about that would fit the similar, similar category of they like, they, they are really great at doing the things mm -hmm. they know they should do and they don't want to not do them. Mm -hmm. And, but there's been a challenge at times that, of receiving love that's mm. not based on any of that right. ability to do that right or not right and how that's impacted your love for the lord over the years or even in recent seasons of just like experiencing his love for you yeah just can you talk about that for a moment and what what comes to your mind and heart when you think about that yeah i, I don't know if this is going to answer your question yeah, or it's, not. I, you're, just go um, for it but i am a rule follower i don't like to get in trouble i don't 
um, like to go out of bounds. You know, I like to know what the clear lines are and then I stay in them. Sure. You know, <laughs> jaywalking <laughs> is I, I have stretched myself every once in a while and jaywalked just, just run, to run do it, street. just to be a rebel. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I actually did jaywalk. I think it was last week. And my daughter said, Mom. <laughs> you're jaywalking and you know it was a it was a joke because they all know I am yeah. that is just not that is so outside of my normal but but I, and this is I hope this it doesn't become discouraging to somebody who does struggle but I I I've never struggled wondering if the Lord loves me or if I have to prove myself to him and and I think it probably is tied to at such a young age being so connected to how much God loves me yeah. um, and staying connected to that throughout my life. And so when it comes to choosing to live a holy life, a righteous life, you know, I'm going to do these things and I'm not going to do these things when it comes to choosing to do good works for the kingdom, for God. Um, if I am continuing to fuel that love for the Lord, which when I'm fueling my love for him it's a it's a two way yeah. you know it it <clears throat> becomes a as i'm yeah loving him he's pouring his out his love out to me if that is happening continuously then my doing really really comes from a place of i love him so much i want i so long to do these things for the Lord. You know, even things like people would probably say, I am a little bit strict and crazy when it comes to what I, what will come out of my mouth. You know, I, I don't say bad words and you know, my family loves to joke about <laughs> words that I would deem bad words that right. most people would not, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's this, and it's not a religious, yeah. you know, I've got to please the Lord. And if I do this, I'm, <clears throat> I don't, I don't, I just have the, this thing in me that just, I just love the Lord so much. I want the words that come out of my mouth to be pleasing and for, for between him and I, that there's, there's nothing that taints that and, um, so I don't know. I hope that's not discouraging to somebody who says that I really struggle with believing God loves me. But I really think it comes back to that, the the intentional, and I mean intentional. It's not natural. It's I work really hard to stir my love and affection for the Lord. Yeah. And to always remind myself how much he loves me and and tell myself, I tell myself how much God loves me yeah, yeah, <laughs> all the time. Yeah, <laughs> and it it's breeds so... a desire to live holy and do good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that that is genuine. I I think that for a lot of people in the Christian space, 
I think at times it can be hard for them to see that that's actually possible. Mm. And so when they do see it, there's this, well, that can't be actually. Yeah. And, and I think that is part, when I mentioned even the first part of the, your love, I think that's part of what has, has been so, st- has stood out so much is it's like, no, that's genuine. It's genuine. Like that's actually there and it's been there and it's continuing to show up in the highs and lows. And, and I hope people are encouraged by that. I mean, they should be because there's this sense of life, life hasn't been perfect. There's been so many ups and downs, unknowns, different things out of your control. And yet that primary and intentional pursuit of Jesus, your love for Jesus and experiencing a close and intimate relationship with him has been the priority that's continued to to grow. And, and that's encouraging to me that that's real. That's, that's really out there. That's really a thing people can experience. And I think they should, I think God wants them to. And I think God is probably feeling a sense for a lot of people of like, I have so much more for you available Mm. with me. If you, if you really could see that, I really am looking for who is is willing and hungry and uh, yeah. pursuing of the spirit in that way. I'm I'm ready to pour out. Yeah. So, and I think as a leader, I think about as a leader, as a pastor. I do believe in you know growing, maturing in knowledge, theology, leadership skills. I think that's really important. I think leaders need to be growing yeah in all sorts of ways but i genuinely believe the most important thing for me to focus on as a leader is am i in love with jesus still that that's that is the number one priority above anything else in regard to leadership yeah is that and it, that that isn't a reason to then say, you know, and then God will just take care of all the other things. Right. And, you know, who cares if I'm terrible at communicating or setting guidelines or, you know, helping people who are I'm leading know what I want from them. You've got to learn how to do all those things. But. But I was, I, that's probably where a lot of churches and ministries have got it wrong is that they lost sight of that being the most important thing as, as for their own, for their own selves, like pastoral leadership, but then also for what they, they really hold people to and expect from them within a church ministry and leadership. Yeah. In that sense of the giftings or the capacities as leaders maybe have been, uh, pursued or valued at a greater level than, then the character and depth of someone's actual love for Jesus maintaining a growing. Well, what pursuit. happens is it becomes so easy for your identity to become leader. Sure. Pastor. And that, that becomes a, I mean, that's a whole dangerous yeah. dark space where when that is your identity, um, you know, then you have to hold on to that. And I mean, there's just a, there's just a whole lot, but when you're, when, when the priority, when your identity is, I'm a, I'm a girl who's loved by the Lord and who loves him. That that's me. That's who I am. That that's it. Then 
any, you know, leadership or an opportunity that God would put in front of you, that just, that just becomes an, you know, uh, an extra or part of the path that he's taking you on, but that's not who you are. Yeah. Um, the, like, secu- I, I, the security, your, your, your identity, we just talked about identity, but your, your security in your identity, um, as a, a daughter of the Lord, first and foremost, how that has laid the foundation for you as a pastor and leader. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about and ask a little bit more about that journey of, of leadership and yeah. how as a woman in ministry leadership, mm-hmm. obviously as a, a part of the, the Foursquare denomination and family and in ministry, there's uh, it, it, that, that world is it's supported in not, not all, you know, Christian denominations and, you know, foundational beliefs believe in supporting women in ministry, women in ministry leadership and in Foursquare does. And it's obviously the founding member of the Foursquare denomination is a, a woman in leadership, mm-hmm. but your, your role, your identity and security in who you are. It, it, I guess part of what I, it's been, it stood out is like it, I don't ever feel to myself, man, there's, there's insecurity coming out of her there Uh, ever there's there is a genuine and deep sense of like she's she's really comfortable in her own skin Mm. and and secure in who she is and but i but i know that there's got to be a journey there Mm -hmm. and and i think about how how you are there right now like it feels like you know i could be wrong for, for my seat it feels like you're you're maybe even in the most secure um, in who you are placed than you've been. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to talk about what, what has helped with that space in the world of ministry leadership, mm-hmm. um, that you, you could say that's been a part of this journey for me. Gosh, that, that is a loaded question. Right. There's so much to talk about there. I heard, so I heard somebody, um, a Bible scholar, he was teaching the topic he was supposed to be talking about was, the theology for women in ministry leadership. Yeah. And the first thing he said, this was just a couple years ago. First thing he said was, so this is what I'm supposed to be teaching on, but I just want to be clear. There is no theology for women in ministry leadership. There is a theology for the Holy Spirit at work in the life of every born again believer. And I, and I, I thought, yep. That resonates with my heart. And I think I think without even realizing it, that's what I grew up believing. Yeah. Uh, because I had people and I will I will say this again, youth pastors are a big deal. Huge deal. And my youth pastor never he 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 just believed in everybody yeah that if you're saved and the holy spirit is in you god has something for your life yeah and he will empower you to do it yeah and i was crazy enough at 13 to actually take him at his word and believe that that was true and so i started you know at 13 asking lord what do you have for me what what do you have you know what am i called to do with my life 
And I knew, I knew at 16 that my, the Lord told me my life was to be about bringing the gospel to people. I had no concept for a woman in ministry. Sure. I didn't know. I, I didn't, had not seen a single woman pastor ever in my life. Um, there were pastor's wives uh, and, and women missionaries. Right. So I didn't know what that meant. I just knew, well, I'm called to bring the gospel to people who don't know Jesus. So I started doing it in school. You know, and that was, it was like, well, that's what I'm called to do. So I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then from that point, it was just a journey of whatever God put in front of me. Right. And then by the grace of God, I was put into places that really believed in, in men and women raising up leaders, l- you know, looking at who God made you to be and letting you be who that is. So by the grace of God, that's, that's, that was my path. But I will say my insecurity and something that really held me back for a long time in in walking out a lot maybe well i think i did a lot of the things but i did it absolutely terrified sure <laughs> had nothing to do with being a woman for me it was a it was a, a stronghold a belief and agreement that i'd made within with the enemy as a kid uh, that I wasn't smart. Hmm. And so, and, and I mean, I wasn't, I was 40 when the Lord finally set me free from that. So it was a hmm. long journey, you know, from 13 to 40, where I felt God has called me to something and had a huge barrier to stepping out. And then, and then the Lord, and I mean, that's a whole nother story of how the Lord set me free and, and, but yeah. So, so I think, I I mean, my, my issue was never about being a woman. It it was a whole other thing that held me back. Sure. But. And I want to, I want to dive into, if you're open to that, I want to dive into that in a, in a, in a moment, because I think that that specifically that that experience that freedom experience of what you walk through and what the lord released you into is massive and for would resonate with a lot of people one of the things that i think about when it comes to and and why this is even still a thing is because it's still a thing for some reason you know when it comes to churches and ministries like there are people that could come to living water and you could be preaching and then they go well, I'm not going to come back here because this is a woman oh, preacher, it's happened. right? For sure, right? I mean, they, and I, I've even had people come tell me, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, what one of the things I've seen is, and I think is so, it's so cool to watch, is how. And I'm wondering how you, what you would think about, like how important of a role this is potentially for husbands in mm-hmm. this space. I've got watched John, Pastor John, be hmm. confident in who he is. Like his man, his manhood and uh, masculinity isn't threatened. Yeah. Right. So he's com- he's secure and confident in mm-hmm. who he is. He doesn't have to prove anything in that yeah. way to anybody. And in that, it I think it's just paved also the way for him to just champion and support and celebrate mm-hmm. who you are and mm-hmm. who you were made to be and your gifts and strengths and. Um, and you know, he's not, it's not, it's not token stuff. Like he's Mm -hmm. not just doing it to do it. It's genuine. Like it's who he is. Um, 
like speak can you speak to that and how that has or hasn't maybe it's had no effect but like how that has helped from your seat maybe the health of how you operate in the world of being you know the leader or the pastor who God's called you to be the beat of that is like for other husbands that are out there that may have the opportunity to do something a little bit more healthily than they have been when it mm-hmm. comes to coming alongside of a spouse and and maybe doing some of the things that I've watched Pastor John do so well. Like, mm-hmm. Can you just talk to that for a moment and speak to yeah. how that's been impacted? Well, I mean, first of all, he's he is, and th- this is not just a platitude, he's been the number one person to to promote not that's that's a weird word not promote me but but to champion and gently push me even when I felt afraid or uncertain into higher levels of leadership or or different roles or different opportunities he I mean 100% he is my biggest fan my biggest cheerleader period yeah above anyone else and I remember there's an example it was I think three or four years ago and we were for the first time really stepping into let's let's figure out how to co-pastor together we've always been done ministry together but how do we co-pastor together how do we lead this congregation together and he came to me and said, you know, um, if if I'm serious about us leading together, then you should do Easter. You should preach Easter. And and it was a big thing because he he had been the one preaching right. Easter, Christmas, you know, all, all the big ones. It's it's the lead pastor. And for him to say, if we're serious, he, he told me, he said, if I'm really serious that that this is what we are called to do and you are called as a lead pastor here in this congregation all with me, then you you should do Easter. And I remember that was a big, that was a big thing. Um, it meant a lot to me. Yeah. I had It hadn't crossed my mind. I had never thought, why don't I do Easter? Right. You know, I had right. ne- it had never crossed my mind. Right. I was fine with how things were. But when he did that, it it did something. I mean, it it was it spoke volumes yes. to his security that he didn't have to hold on to it. One of the other things that is funny um that we've really begun to appreciate, he and I are so different. We're different in personality. We're different in how we communicate, how we teach and preach. We hear from the Lord differently. We study differently. And it's been a beautiful thing to see, you know, people will come up to me and say, I, I love Pastor John when he preaches, but, but I really love when you preach. And then people will go to John. And say, I really, I love Pastor Fawn, but I, I really, when you preach, it just speaks to me. <laughs> and I think in that could breed insecurity sure. in somebody. We have embraced 
that God has put us together and that we are better together and that he has gifts and strengths that are not mine and I have gifts and strengths that are not his and so we've purposed to celebrate those things and to see it as a real gift that we're reaching more people together than just one of us on our own and when when an insecurity comes because sometimes it does for for me you know john is so ah he's so good in the moment where somebody asks a random question and he has the most deep thoughtful answer that he can give just in a moment's notice and I am not great at that. I'm just not. I'm I'm just not. And and so when a, when I see that and an insecurity comes, what we've learned to do is to not keep it in the dark, but we speak it to each other. Mm-hmm. We say, "I was feeling this thing and I had that and I don't want that to live in the dark. I don't want it to have a place in my mind and yeah. my heart." And I just I'm just saying it. And then I'm going to tell you what I really believe about all of this. And so we, we've kept each other accountable by being real about that there can be insecurity and then squashing it as fast, yeah. as, fast as possible. Yeah, that's so good. I, that, I could see that principle moving like it just even across different categories in a marriage relationship being yeah. super valuable yeah. when it comes to yeah. communicating, yeah. sharing. And, and then here's one thing. In regard to women in ministry, I've one of the things that I've had a little bit of a hard time with is watching some of my fellow women who and and listen, there are very real things that happen where there there are things that are said, things that are done, yeah, you know, ways that that I've seen, experienced myself, women being devalued. Yeah. And so I don't make, I don't want to make light of that in any way. That's a pain that the Lord has to heal. And I think we have to get better at appreciating and championing women in a way that allows them to be who God's called them to be and making pathways for that. But I have a hard time with, with sometimes when I've seen my fellow sisters um, it it's almost like they have to prove something or make a way for themselves, uh, or and here here's I've been in situations where I know the room, I know the people that I'm interacting with are not open or are not in the same place or in the same belief and I'm okay with that it doesn't actually it doesn't hurt my feelings yeah it doesn't cause me to feel stifled or pushed down because and part of it is because I am in avenues and and places where I have complete freedom to be who God's called me to be. And so when I enter into some of those spaces with people 
who who don't see it the same way that we do I the the way that I would I don't know I I just think the Lord has all of us on our own journey about different things at different seasons in different times and timings and and so if God has not chosen to to speak to them about that issue in a way that I think hey Lord you you should tell them yeah (laughs) then that's not my business yeah you know yeah and so i've there there have been places where we've gone and john has you know said hey you know maybe i should say and i've said no you know what it's okay they they're not in that place yet and i'm comfortable i'm i feel secure i don't have i can set this one out and i'm good yeah because i i have other places where the lord is releasing me and i can do that yeah so yeah yeah i think I think that that's important to acknowledge because there there is a spirit. I don't know a better word to describe it, and not like a like a an evil like demonic spirit or righteous spirit. I mean, but there's like a there's a flavor, there's a posture of like what you're talking about that I feel like is is just really important to like I I love what you just said about like letting letting the Lord deal with you know somebody's heart yeah and his timing you know i think that maybe the argument to that would be from especially maybe some women that haven't had that same experience of support and championing would say like well i've been waiting for a long time or you know where's the line between right right like the standing up to the the injustice of it versus allowing the lord's timing and i i just think a lot of it again I, i from from a from a man who has you know, been in ministry and obviously has a a different experience than, um, than a lot of these women in that space. Uh, just that like the part of what stood out about you is that you, you aren't trying to prove anything that you're, you're the authority that comes out of you and who you are as a leader and a pastor and a communicator is it, it's demanded without being demanded. Hmm. Like you, you don't have that there isn't a flavor or spirit of like you're an, an agenda to say improve. Like I have something to say. It, it is clear you have something to say because there is a confidence and security and identity that's undeniable about who you are and an authority that's like, yeah, that is absolutely from the Lord. And gender aside, like I need to be listening. <laughs> What's God saying? That that I think is just. I I just wish more. I I think I wish both more men and women stepped into that. But yeah. but for those that might be wrestling with the like, I I need to to fight back against this. Since I would you know encourage that like like there's there it, there is a way for that world to happen that I've watched in a couple different women and go like man I don't I am not wondering if you're worried about that at all. And it's not even a factor here because you are so confident and clear mm. in who God's called you to be with what you're saying that like everybody who has any kind of head on their shoulders should be listening. Mm. And um, now I would say if there are women who are in a place where they're, they're being stifled. Sure. And, and it's obvious maybe there isn't going to be room for you. First, I would say slow down and don't make any big decisions right off the bat. Because really, the first question is to go to the Lord and say, Lord, what are you doing in me right now yeah. through what I'm experiencing? Because I would 
I, I would assume if I were in that space, my first reaction would be, I would probably assume that, well, this must not be where God wants me because I know God's called me. I know God has a plan for my life. He's anointed me. He's filled me with the Holy Spirit. So I need to go find the place for, to do that. That seems natural. Sure. That's probably where I would go. But I, I think in wisdom, the first question is, Lord, what are you doing in me through the through the hardship and the, you know, maybe the roadblocks that are up. Yeah. And then ask the Lord, do you want me here? Yeah. Because you never know what it is that he's going to do so through good. that. So good. And not to assume yep. in order to be who God's called you to be, you have to be somewhere else. Yeah, so good. Learning to be who God's called you to be right where you are is pretty a pretty big thing. Yeah. And that, that translates across yeah. different categories as well. Yeah. Right. Like, but sometimes the Lord is going to say, you need to go. Yeah. And you can do that with grace yeah, and kindness and not be judgmental and forgive and, yeah. you know, in, and, and move to what God has called you next, but don't move unless you know that's what the Lord has asked you to do. Yeah. And if God has put you in a place where you're submitted to a leader and and yet and you know God has placed you there and at the moment you feel constrained, you work that out with the Lord first. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz man, you just never know. You just never know what's going on in the sur- under the surface of other people. You don't know what it is that God's trying to do maybe in you. Yeah. Through what seems like that well it shouldn't be this way. Maybe it shouldn't be that way, but if God's put you there, there's a purpose in it. Yeah. You know, and yeah. not necessarily always just to change the other person. Right. It could be to change you in ways that you don't even realize need to be changed. Yeah. Yeah. So That's really good. Yeah. You you referenced earlier something um, and it, this may or may not be your answer to what the question I'm about mm-hmm. to ask is, but I'll highlight it as a, a, a circle back. But every episode I ask uh, the guest a question, a, the same question, and, and it's around the, the real mission of the podcast is to help people get freed up from what's holding them back mm-hmm. so they can build up who God made them to be. Yeah. And to just to have everybody kind of share something, either something from their past or even present that they feel like has held them back. Yeah. That they from being who they were made to be that they have overcome or are overcoming and yeah. and just a little bit of that process for people to see because of the, the ability for people to resonate and, and be encouraged or challenged by that. So what for your life yeah. uh, would you say something that's held you back? Well, I mentioned, I mentioned it before. I would say probably one of the, the biggest things for me was this overarching terrified fear of speaking and when I say that I don't just mean standing on a platform preaching a message I mean 12 years old getting up to share my book report in front of a classroom I mean being in the workforce and being in a meeting and being called on to share my opinion about something across the board if if I needed to share something, speak something, 
that was more than just this is my friend, you know, or my husband or yeah. the, the person that really knows me and we're just talking. Share my opinion, share something meaningful. Absolute terror. And I mean, as far back as I can remember, that's how it was. And as I grew in my faith, I did all the things I knew to do. Take those thoughts captive. Memorize scripture. Don't don't stay there. You know, preach the truth to myself. Sure. And and the honest truth is I did a lot of things terrified, including getting into ministry, you know, and in my twenties, my at twenty years old and and having ministry opportunities and sharing devotions and teaching a women's Bible study to 10 years ago, beginning to preach more regularly and, and apps, I mean, I mean, terror, terror, absolute terror. And yet doing it because I knew in my heart, the Lord had put these things in front of me. It wasn't, it wasn't a, I have to do this. It was, I know this is what God's called me to do. I would, I would agonize over preaching a message, agonize, absolute anxiety, terror. But while I was preaching, the only way I can describe it is I felt the pleasure of the Lord yeah. and f- believed I was doing what I was created to do. And then I would, you know, be relieved when it was over and then absolute terror if I was asked to do it again. Yeah, And it was five or six years ago i was uh at a retreat for leaders i was in a worship service and i was crying out to the lord about this issue and i was i was just saying lord i don't want to live this way anymore i don't want to be terrified all the time i don't want to have to work so hard to not be afraid i want you to set me free i want you to show me what is broken in me that i can't get past this i'm doing all the things i for for 30 years i've been doing the things i'm supposed to do and it's still this way and in an instant the holy spirit I mean, it was revelation from God. Took me back to my eight-year-old self who had lived in Germany and done kindergarten, first, second grade in Germany. I was bilingual, English and German. Moved back to the States in third grade and bilingual, but I could only read and write in German. Hmm. And so I had to do special class. Like every day I got pulled out of my third grade class to go with the specialty teacher to learn how to read and write in English. And the Lord, the Lord showed me that was the moment where you believed that you are not smart. And that translated into you, you, you don't have anything worth saying because you're not smart enough Hmm. to, you don't have something worth imparting or sharing because you're not everybody in the room is smarter than you are so anything you say is is less than what they bring to the table and 
And I mean, it was the the Lord showed me that's where it started. You didn't even realize it. Yeah. It became you. You came into agreement with that lie. You believed it. You agreed with it. And over the course of time, it became a spiritual stronghold in your life. And and that's why no matter what you did, it was always there. And um, and it it the it, all I can say is in that moment. I saw the light. Yeah. <laughs> and I just I said, "Lord, hmm. I don't agree with that anymore. I cancel that agreement yeah. that I made with a lie from the enemy, and I'm I'm telling you that was it. I've never been terrified again. Now, I still feel the weight sure. of what it is to to communicate the gospel, to be a leader to to lead a, sh- a congregation but the terror the stronghold is gone and i've asked the lord i i've asked the lord why 30 years of that you could you hmm. could have shown me that hmm. at age 12 at age 15 at age 20 at age 25 at why'd you wait until i was 40 that because at, at one point i thought there was so much wasted time hmm. And I don't see it that way anymore. I look back, there, there's no other way that I would have learned the art of warfare. Hmm. There's no other way I would have learned <laughs> how to take thoughts captive. There's no other way there, that it was the thing that the Lord used to drive me to memorize scripture, to depend on him and the Holy Spirit instead of my ability. I mean, so now I look at it and I actually wouldn't do it any different. Hmm. I would do that those 30 years of terror (laughs) (laughs) all over again Hmm. because of what it taught me, the muscles that it built for in my spirit. I, I, I wouldn't be who I am now had I not gone through that. And I wouldn't have the testimony of that moment in worship and the revelation and the knowing, you know, somebody had taught me when you realize you've made an agreement with with the enemy, you cancel that agreement and then then you move on. And I did it (laughs) and and I've reaped the benefit and the freedom of that. So good. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Thanks for sharing. And and what's beautiful is the enemy tries to bring that back. Sure. I mean, I was having a conversation with my husband the other day and he's he, you know, you know, you know how it is with married people. You have a I started getting defensive about something he said and you know, I was I was getting all worked up and and then I start, you know, as I'm as I'm being defensive in my head, I'm thinking, what, what am I even defensive about? What is happening here? And and I saw, oh, I it touched on that you're you're not smart enough. You don't have anything worth saying. Mm. Not because he didn't say that. Sure. You know, it was this interaction that's somehow pushed on that button. And I, I just said, hey. I know what's happening right yeah. now. That button 
Yeah. Of I'm not be I'm not smart enough. Just got pushed. Yeah. It has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Even though I just made it all about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, mm. and I was able to recognize it and say, okay, that I remember, I remember now. I don't, yeah. I don't agree with that. So this isn't an issue anymore because. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So good. Well, I'll, I will never forget the kind of um, just support and comfort that the Lord gave Holly and I when we first got here by knowing we were stepping into a role as youth pastors again, but getting to be a part of your team because mm. you had stepped into leading, overseeing kind of just the world of next gen at Living Water and, and just the way that the Lord used you in such a like really pertinent time for me especially because it was a, such a huge gear shift of location and team and everything from where we'd been in Modesto for five and a half years to be up here to just feel like, you know, he, he, you just were um, just such an instrumental piece of that time to help us transition in and to care for us, to care for me, to disciple and lead us. Um, that, that I'll never forget just as a memory of that moment. But when, uh, w- w- finishing up the conversation for today, when you think about like the next five years, 10 years mm-hmm. for, for Fawn Kobler, mm-hmm. Kobler family ministry life. Like what, what brings that like deep smile to your heart when you like look at what could be in the next five to 10 years? Like, what do you go? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, I'm looking forward to m- more of that or, or that for the first time or like just what comes to your mind and heart. I just, I, I I'd love for you to, try to take a snapshot of that of what that could look like that's interesting because i i my husband is a you know this is what my next 10 years sure. are about and sure. this is what my next 20 years right. are about my i'm more of a I, i'm just in the right here right now yeah and 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 part of the way the lord has always led me has been say yes to what's right in front of you what I'm asking of you and then do it with your whole heart. Like you're going to do it for the next 60 years. Yeah. And then when it's time to do something different, I'll tell you. Yeah. And so, so that's how, that's how I think and live. I don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about what am I going to do in five years? What am I going to do in 10 years? I think though, the things that would make me smile as I think about maybe the next decade of my life is one, just knowing that 20 years ago, I never would have seen myself here. I never would have guessed I'd be doing what I was doing or that the Lord would have taken me through the things that he's taken me through or never. Never in a million years. I never would have guessed. And so there's a part of me that, you know, you think about 10 years from now and I think, I wonder what that's going to be. Like I get excited because I think there's, who knows what that'll, who knows what God will do because he's proven himself to do way beyond what I ever could have thought of by myself. Hmm. So that, that just is exciting. Yeah. And then the the other thing is our life is going to change drastically in about five years when our last kid graduates from high school and moves on to 
whatever is next in her life. And, and so that's going to be a huge new transition in our life where I don't even know what that's like. I don't know what it's like to think about life in terms of just John and I and what God is doing in us separate from being responsible personally responsible on the day-to-day for other people who you know who can't survive without you and and so man i it part of me can't even imagine what that would is gonna look like i for 22 years to this point my life has been about the four people the four kids that god gave us and and the responsibility of that. And so, and, and not that you disconnect from that role, right, but right. it becomes very different. Right. And it needs to. And then we go back to, you know, what John always said, when they're all gone, you're stuck with just me. <laughs> so yeah. I think it'll be, I'm excited. I'm excited about the fun that my husband and I are going to have together. Yeah. I'm excited about, all the unknowns. Yeah. All the, there's a lot of unknowns yeah. and I'm excited because yeah. God's proven to do really cool things yeah. every time. So good. <laughs> well, the, the, the wrap up for me, first of all, just thank you. Thanks for taking the time and being just, thank you for asking yeah, me. I feel, yeah. I feel really honored. Yeah. yeah. It's an honor for me. And the, the kind of wrap up gratitude is and it really like flowed out of pastor john's episode a few back Mm. where um i actually asked him a specific question just about like how like how you were such an instrumental part of uh the last few years for him in some Mm. really challenging things uh and how like what you know he he communicated just so beautifully just what that meant and what that really looked like but but i recognize as there's been some challenging seasons and years for myself in the last five Mm -hmm. to six years and how much of a impact he has had in those for me um, that I know he wouldn't have been able to be as much of an impact had it not been for how you Mm. leaned in and supported and loved and walked with him through some of the things he was walking through. Mm. And that's huge because because I recognize as somebody who, you know, has an incredible wife who walks with me, has walked with me through, you know, things of my own. Like there are just days where I recognize like part of this partnership is, is because the Lord knows, like, I don't, I don't have enough to carry. I don't have it. I don't have enough to, to carry what I need to carry as on my own. And he's given me a, an incredible woman to come alongside to go like, okay, I can carry some of that for yeah. you today and this week and this month and <laughs> this season. And, um, and just acknowledging and recognizing your loving role in your love for your husband and how much, although that was very much just you guys, but how much that had this trickle down impact into the people mm-hmm. around you guys that um, was just massive and it was really important. And the Lord, the Lord knew I would need him in that season and he knew he would need you <laughs> to walk with him <laughs> so that I could have him help walk with me. So thank you for being you and continuing to be somebody who keeps that love for Jesus as your primary pursuit and then sees people as the gifts that they they are uh, and 
opportunities to love and not just fix or not just write off, but mm. to see uh, genuinely a love for people. And it's been incredible up to this point to have the impact of Fawn Kobler in my life and my wife's life and our family. So thank you. Thanks for being a part of today. What a, what a treat. Thank you. Yeah. So with that, everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And until next time, see you later.